Hello and welcome to the Pumping Irony Podcast. This is our third official podcast. We've had a long hiatus. Um, I blame some kind of strike somewhere. There's got to be a rider strike somewhere. Sure, that's it. Yeah. Our strike of going skiing. Yeah. Our, yes, our strike Life. of strike of having li- having lives and, and having fun and going skiing. So we are back. We're recording. Uh, this is our our third, like I said, a third official podcast. But but really, it's our first podcast. Um, that we're going to talk about uh, the, the regular format of our show. So we're three guys. My name is Tim. With me is Russ. Hello. And Andrew. Hey. And we're all, li- all living in Columbia, Maryland. We're friends, and we, record- we do this podcast. Uh, and we- what we do is we bring things that we like and things that we dislike, usually in the realm of uh, pop culture and entertainment. Uh, well, I don't think we're going to get too political on this podcast or talk about, <laughs> I don't know, fashion or... I dislike elections. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm against fascism. I'll just say that. All right. There you go. There are, are some things in the political realm we Hot are takes. against. But so we're going to talk about things we dislike and things we, we like. And uh, we're going to let Andrew go first this week, with, uh, this time, with something that he likes. Yeah, I'm first. All right. Um, yeah, something that I've been getting into for the last couple of weeks um, is a book series. Uh, starts off with a book called The Magicians. And I got into it um, because I'd heard... That it was really good for one, uh, and they were also making a sci-fi series out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think either of you have had the chance to check out the show. Just seen the previews, um, yeah. And I've seen the first episode, first two episodes of the show. It's like a double part. I have, first I have episode. the some episodes uh, DVR'd. Uh, I I DVR'd like the first three, and then I my DVR for some reason got erased, and so I lost it all, and so I have to go back and. <laughs> so you have the intention of watching. <laughs> I had the intention of watching it, yeah. um, and but they all would, you can all still right. watch them on demand, I believe. Yeah, so so I figured I'd watch the read the books first because, you know, that's how I like to do things. So I can be, you know, one of those smug book readers right, right. that talks about how all of the ways the show fails the books. Because <laughs> that's really how I want to interact with my pop culture. Uh, so I started reading the books. It, they were described to me before the show came out as sort of being... Harry Potter, but more for for adults, mm-hmm. not in a like you know super like R rated, you know kind of way. But you know this is instead of uh, the story starting when you know the people are in middle school, they start at the end of high school. This is like a college. So Harry Potter, the college just, years. Yeah, basically, <laughs> uh, sort of starting where you know book seven, like because books even right. book seven of Harry Potter is a lot more adult right. than the first book was. So it's sort of sort of starting there or even like a little bit more you know adult than that uh i don't think that harry potter for adults is a great way to describe these books because uh, i think it, it just does the book a disservice mm-hmm. i guess uh for one it's a lot more like narnia for adults than it is harry potter okay um it shares a lot more ties uh, with narnia than harry potter has interestingly enough the harry potter books exist in this world okay so they make references so oh, like funny. you know they're going to imagine like yeah the, you why, why wouldn't you do the thing that hermione does in this book oh because that doesn't work because <laughs> like, that's not how magic actually works so uh, you know they throw in references like that which are always fun um the books are you know uh, just a, they're a lot different. It's not magic isn't quite as magical in these books mm-hmm. as it is in Harry Potter. So, so or a little Narnia more grounded like in reality. 
Uh, that it's it's tougher. Like okay. it's not you know waving a wand around and saying some words. It's like complicated. Like it's they're in college. Like it's actually just a really hard college. So like, like, are, it's like a calculus problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the people that are, are magicians are actually just like like people that would have gone to Ivy League schools. Like okay. you have to be really smart and really dedicated to learn any mm-hmm. of this stuff. It's not something that like there is like an, an, an innate ability, but it's not. As you know, easy yeah. like Neville never would have made it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Neville and Ron Weasley. Yeah, <laughs> they would have been. They wouldn't have made it through the test. Uh, the school they're out is called Break Bills. Uh, Qu- Quentin Coldwater is the the main character, and he's recruited to go there. He's actually on his way to like a Yale interview or something, okay. and sort of ends up like in this other place, and all of a sudden is taking this magic test, and he doesn't really even know what the test is. Uh, but it turns out to be a test for a magician's college where, like, this is the American, like, the only magic school in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 20 people are selected every year. Like, exactly 20 people oh, wow. go to this school. So it's cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Before we go very farther, um, you say their books. Who is the author? Uh, Lev Grossman. Lev Grossman, okay. Um, I think it was a book critic for, like, the New York Times or something like that. Mm, okay. Um, I may be wrong about that. <laughs> it might end up edited out of the podcast if I am. <laughs> I'm sure we could find that yeah. answer somewhere out there in the interwebs. Doesn't sound likely. <laughs> uh, so I really, actually really like uh, Love Grossman's writing style. Um, it feels like there are a lot of things in the book that feel like really modern and like sort of like they're subverting the you know genre without making this a book that is set, setting out to subvert mm-hmm. the genre. Okay. So like just, you know, a couple sentences here or there, the way that people talk um, will just like all of a sudden feel like really weird and... Or, or, I guess not weird. Weird for a book, but normal for real life. Okay. Like they'll throw in like a random, you know, people saying, you know, FTW for further win. But this isn't a book where people just talk like that. Okay. Like it's not like that's the norm. But when it when it's called for, they can. Okay. Uh, which I really like. Um, uh, so yeah, so Quentin goes to break bills. He sort of like is this loner kid uh, that always felt like he was looking for something, you know, more than just a normal high school life. It was always really into these uh, books that are sort of a Narnia fill-in, which is why I say it shares more with Narnia, these fillery books Mm. where, you know, kids go through a clock in a house, Mm -hmm. like like their aunt's house or something, and go to this magical world and become high kings and queens of this Mm, place. (laughs) Sounds a little familiar. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so he finally finds, you know, something that he's been searching for, break bills, but it doesn't really like it doesn't end up being exactly what he wants it to be like this turns out to be this is college <laughs> like in college is hard and the first half of the first book actually takes place over about four years like it's the whole time that they're he's oh. at break bills oh, okay which i was expecting to be like the entirety of the three books right. um so yeah uh magic is just a ton of work it's not as you know uh it gets sort of mundane to them after a while like you know, you have to like be practicing your hand exercises. You have uh-huh. to have really strong hands to make all these different formations, and you have to learn all of your languages. Uh-huh. Uh, but then he graduates, and it's sort of like this millennial. Okay, so what next? <laughs> like, I've graduated from college, but I'm wandering around aimlessly because I have nothing else to do with my life. Uh, so, like, a, a sort of an important theme with the book. It's not like he majored, being... he minored in political science or anything. He majored in, in magic and minored in political <laughs> yeah. science. Yeah, he's just a. Yeah, so he he's majored out. in magic. And yeah, he basically he goes out after college and is like, "Well, I'm gonna drink, I guess, <laughs> and go to parties in New York because I have nothing better to do with my life." 
Um, so one of the important things of the book, I feel like, is sort of just being happy with uh, where you are and what you have. Uh, what I've, I've highlighted a bunch of random stuff in this book. I, like, there, like I said, there's a lot of uh, parts in the book where I just like, oh, I like the way this sentence works. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. So I've, I think I've highlighted more passages in this book just to go back and remember them uh, later, which is good because I was trying to think of a way to describe uh, this theme of the book, and I had highlighted a passage from towards the end of the f- first book where one of the characters is talking to Quentin. Um, and she says, you know, stop looking for the next secret uh, door that's going to lead you to your real life. Stop waiting. Uh, this is it. There's nothing else. It's here, and you better decide to enjoy it or you're going to be miserable wherever you go. For the rest of your life, forever. And Quinn replies, you can't just decide to be happy. And she says, no, but you can sure decide to be miserable. Oh, um, and that's sort of his, good, good. yeah, it's sort of like his thing. Like every time he finds these great things, these things that he's dreamed of his whole life, he never really appreciates them mm-hmm. or he never really finds happiness in them. And he just like, okay, now I have this. I need, but this would really make me happy. Right, right. It's not the school that's going to make me happy. It's going to be what's after the school that's going to make me happy. Oh, well, graduation didn't really make me all that happy. Uh, I need to find something else. And yep. then he finds something else, and then he's not happy there either. <laughs> and finally, this character just slaps him around <laughs> a bit. Um, I don't want to give too much of the books away. I really I really enjoyed them. Um, they're pretty easy reads, and I've been sort of plowing through them over the last two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. I'm just finishing up the third book right now. Um, they take some wild turns. I have no idea what this TV show is going to do mm. <laughs> once they get past the first half of the first book. Right. Because <laughs> it goes to crazy places that I'd never expected. Um, so I have watched the first two episodes of the show. It is very different. Um, but I think it's it's different in a good way. Um, everyone at the school gets aged up about five years. And Break Bills becomes a grad school instead of okay. a college. So like, I first saw the, the images of like the, the main characters. I'm like... He's supposed to be 17. <laughs> no, he's supposed to be about 22. <laughs> okay. So I was like, all right, that works. Because mm-hmm. it was like some crazy, they usually tend you know, to age CW up and... nonsense. We're like, these kids are not in high school. Right. There's no way these kids are in high school. <laughs> so um, like with Nine or Tuna when yeah. like 35-year-olds yeah. playing <laughs> high schoolers. Yeah, so it ends up being like a, a Yale grad school interview that he goes to okay. instead of like a regular uh, <clears throat> a college interview when they're 17. Um, so the characters get, get aged up a lot. Um, it... One of the, the first book loses track of one of the main characters for the second book. Like, she's in, like, the very beginning, and then she disappears for most of the book, has one scene later, disappears for, like, the rest of the book, and then, like, you find out her story in the second book. So they've sort of been weaving that into the yeah. series, which makes a lot more sense. And, like, they're, they're making it a lot more dramatic than mm-hmm. what's in the book, uh, which is great for TV, because yeah. it would, if they did it, like, you know... Uh, a little bit more faithfully, she'd basically be on the internet for most of the series <laughs> trying to look up stuff. So no one wants to watch that. Um, it puts the characters a little bit more directly responsible for some of the mm-hmm. bad things that happen in the book, which is good. It gives it a little bit better stakes. Um, the one thing I was worried about is like in the, the first scene of the first episode, they started giving off this Quentin's the Chosen One vibe, which is very much not... What was his metachlorian count? Yeah. <laughs> he had at least six metachlorians. I have no frame of reference for how many metachlorians is a lot. I don't think they ever told us. I don't think they did either. But I'm going with six. Six, okay. <laughs> um, which, 
I think the second episode sort of pulled back from in a good way, so mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more... That was my, my one big worry was like, oh, well, the book is so much a book where he's not yeah. you know, the chosen one. That's not his thing. He's just a normal dude. Um, thrown in, like, not even thrown into this thing. He's just a normal guy trying to find something, mm-hmm. um, which I really like about the book. So I think uh, that after the second episode, they've sort of... Said no, like there's a scene where he's like, "No, you're a pretty average magician. There's nothing really great about you." And I was like, "All right, now we're we're, we're back on track now." Um, so, and the show finds its uh, a way, its way. It finds the plot a little bit faster than the book does. The book meanders a bit for that first half, mm-hmm. um, in a good way that gets you, you know, introduced to right. all the characters. And it works really well for a book, but it'd be really boring in a TV right. show. Right. That's what people got to understand that that like movies or TV, a visual medium is way different than yeah. a, than yeah. a reading medium. And a lot of people are like, well, they totally destroyed the book there. I'm like, yeah. well, they had to do something yeah, because it's just a different medium. You can yeah. do things in books that you can't do on in, right. a, in a visual medium, and you can do things in a visual medium that you can never do with books unless you can take like you know. 200 pages to describe one right. thing. You know? Yeah, like, I don't want to see, like, there's, you know, a wizard's game in this. Not like Quidditch, more like chess. Okay. <laughs> like, don't want to watch people playing that game. <laughs> it doesn't sound very interesting. <laughs> it's, it's mostly just chess with a little bit of magic thrown in. <laughs> like, don't want to watch that on TV. And not Quidditch. like the cool speed chess like they play in the parks in New York City, you know, when they're hitting yeah. the clocks and all that. <laughs> like, in one of the, I think one of the last games, they're just describing how unbelievably cold it is outside while they're playing this game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this isn't, you know, the super magical world of Harry Potter. This is the more mundane, mm-hmm. you know, magical upstate New York. Okay. Uh, which I really like. I really dig the books. Um, and the show looks like it's off to a good start, too. So so three books? Cool. Three books? Three books. Uh, the Magician's, the, the Magician King, and The Magician's Land. Okay. Now, have you, I don't know if you've gotten to the end, but have you heard out there that he's doing another trilogy? or I no idea. Know? Okay. Or if he's writing any other books, I don't, I don't yeah, know that. I would. I'm. I know he has at least one other book out there um, that I definitely want to check out. Okay. Uh, and I'll probably check out whatever he writes mm-hmm. next. Yeah, I like that when you find like a, a book series and you get to it and you like the author. You, yeah, you, you can discover their other stuff. Other stuff. Yeah. Really yeah, I like the way he writes. So, like, I'm not. I don't really care what the next story is. Like, right. I'm gonna at least check it out. Mm-hmm. So, I'm in. Unless it's like a chess manual, you probably don't want to read that. Hey, he made that chess game sound <laughs> interesting enough on paper. I just don't want to watch the TV of the ch- the TV show of the chess right. manual. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's Andrew's like. That's the Magician uh, trilogy by Lev Grossman, and in a little bit, in a little way, the the TV show also, which is on the Sci Fi Network. What nights? You know, Mondays. You Mondays. I don't. Know. Sure. I DVR, I DVR yeah, most things. Yeah, so I don't really know when things. It's whenever you set your DVR, and you feel like watching. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so that was Andrew's like. Uh, Russ, you want to take take it? Wanna sure. Take your first like. Sure. Okay, I have a question first. Do you guys like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? I haven't seen it in a in a in a while, um, and I don't think I've I've seen the movie. I not that's one Stephen King book. I actually I don't think I've even read. I, if I've read it, it's been so long okay. that I don't really. Yeah. Well, this um, is about the movie. So. Okay. Um, if you like The Shining. This movie is about people who like it way more than you do. Okay. <laughs> this is the documentary called Room 237. Oh, okay. I totally want to see this. Yeah, it was, I've heard about it. It was released, also. I think, in 2012. Um, the director, Rodney Asher, A-S-C-H-E-R. Um, and I don't know, he's done a couple of things I had never heard of, but I, I 
heard about this movie a few months ago and then didn't think anything else about it. But then when I was I was reading stuff for my dislike this week, I ran across it again. And I'm like, yeah, I should watch that. So I did. And it's amazing because it's, it's a documentary about all the conspiracy theories that people have about The Shining, what Stanley Kubrick was actually trying to say. And it's amazing. And it's like you're sitting in a room full of nerds that you wouldn't normally talk to. <laughs> or don't want to talk to. Or don't want to talk to. But it's fascinating how much they have dissected this movie. And it's just crazy. And if nothing else, it makes you want to go see The Shining again. Just to see, do I see what they see, or you know? And have you have you watched The Shining? I have not okay. since then, but but we definitely will. Uh, the Shining is my son Nick's favorite movie. He says so. Okay, he'd like to watch it at any time. So. Nick has a sick sick mind. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so I need to show him this documentary so we have a frame of reference for talking about it. But some of the uh, some of the conspiracy theories they talk about is uh, that it's all about the Native American genocide, you know, um, okay. because there's so so many. Native American symbols in the movie, like the Calumet baking powder, which has an Indian head. That obviously is Kubrick talking about <laughs> the Native American genocide and all that. Yeah. Uh, it's also Kubrick's um, dealing with the Holocaust. Okay. The number 42 appears all over the place. And if you tell a German historian guy, 1942, that's when the final solution was decided upon. And... And even room 237, 2 times 3 times 7 is 42. Oh my god. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> it, it's just funny how intent and that these people are with this film, which I love the film. So, um, but I don't get into it that much. But, uh, you know, and I think, I think Kubrick's a very smart guy, and I'm sure that there are reasons he did some things in the movie. Like, I'm, I know his color palette and all that, and, and framing of shots, and and disorienting you in the movie, actually, I think is all purposeful, but I don't think quite so much, um, you know, what, what most of these people are talking about. But that doesn't make this, this documentary any less enjoyable to watch, because you're like, okay, that's an interesting theory. Um, one lady has mapped out the entire Overlook Hotel at, like, she's got, you know, spreadsheets and and uh, drawings showing how this hallway cannot connect how they say it is, <laughs> but she thinks that Kubrick did that on purpose to just keep you off balance, and I'm like, maybe he did, I don't know, but but they go into detail well, maybe about... Maybe that part of the hotel just looked better. Right, exactly. <laughs> Because you know it doesn't actually exist; it's a set. Uh, but right, anyway. <laughs> right. And there's also the you know the the director of photography who makes who lights up right. these shots. Also, right. has so, some say in it. I mean, I know yeah. the director's like the the final say on yes. that, but usually good directors trust their their exactly uh, the second unit directors, and you got your director of photography, yeah. and so. cinematographer, and all that kind of stuff. So, but uh, my favorite conspiracy theory in this film is that. It's Stanley Kubrick's confession of having faked the moon landing footage. So, yes, the the guy the guy says, "Now I don't I, I believe it went to the moon, but I just don't think that we actually filmed it up there." And, <laughs> okay, and he's got you know all this lines of evidence through through the the. The Shining film that will show you that yes. You know. So we have the technology to get a man to the moon and land him on the moon, but we do not have the technology right. to yeah, film him doing filming. it. Yeah, Polaroids so. do not work on the moon. <laughs> so you can't shake them. There's no gravity. <laughs> Room two three seven supposedly is you know it was like soundstage two three seven that he shot it on. Okay. And coincidentally, the moon is two hundred thirty seven thousand miles from 
the Earth, so two, three, seven, obviously. And any, it's there's a funny scene in this in the documentary that they 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 do a lot of um, you know they they show a lot of the the film, uh, The Shining, and slow stuff down so you can see you know what's happening. So this guy's talking the moon the moon conspiracy theorist guy is talking and he's like, and if you look on. When they zoom in on the key that's in the in the lock for two three seven, it says it says room and then N O two three seven, you know, and room and N are all capitalized, and the only two words you can make out of room and N are room and moon, mm. and I'm like, you know, there's another there's another word you can make out of that, and it's moron. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that was also, just in my head. N O Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> So it makes perfect sense. So, I love this movie because, um, you know, movies I love I like to di- dissect. Mm-hmm. So I could I can see where these people come from. So I have a, a kind of a love for them, even though they're I think their movie their their conspiracy theories are crazy for the most part. I mean, some of them I, I do see. Yeah, you sure, just haven't maybe. seen the light yet, Russ. Yeah, you just right, haven't, haven't seen, seen the light. Seen the light yet. So, so this film it uses a lot of. Uh, footage from other movies. You never see the uh, the actual conspiracy theorists. You just hear them. Okay. And as they're narrating about, you know, the first time I saw this movie and all this, they they bring like there's Tom Cruise from um, Eyes Wide Shut, you know, walking into some place, and and so you're kind of like, oh, this guy is the kind of the Tom Cruise character. So I like this. They use a lot of other Kubrick films to illustrate the the people talking, and other other films also. Like there's a, a shot from Apocalypto. I'm like, oh, okay, I know that shot. Um, so you actually never see the people talking? No. Oh, okay. they, they just talk. That's interesting. I want to see the documentary where they are just talking to people from Room 237 and show them, hey, you know, this was also a book, right? Right. <laughs> like, not all of these were Stanley Kubrick's ideas. Although, interestingly, there this is one that I think was was an actual Kubrick saying, screw you to Steven, uh, Stephen, Stephen King. I don't know, Spielberg. Stephen King. When they're going... When... Uh, uh, Dick Halloran is going back to the Overlook, you know, after he's he's got this call or whatever, and he thinks that something's going on there. He drives in a storm, and there's a semi tipped over on a red Volkswagen. In the Stephen King novel, the family goes up in a red Volkswagen. In the movie, they go up in a yellow Volkswagen. Uh, so I think it's, it, it might be Kubrick just giving a little nudge to Stephen King, like, no, I'm changing this. <laughs> Which I think is kind of funny, but anyway. Which I, I, you know, historically, Stephen King has not liked the, oh, the movie The Shining. Oh, Stephen movie, yeah. So. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't hate all of his movie, uh, the movies of his, of his novels, but, but I, this I know one, he, he not, did not, not like The Shining. About, so. Shame, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it's a great movie. And, and it's one of those, like you were talking about, the book and the movie, I think, should exist as two separate entities. Because yeah. they're both good, but uh, in their own ways. So. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's uh, Room Two Three Seven. I recommend it. You can watch it on demand on Netflix. So okay, and you so you saw it on Netflix. Yep. Then, okay. Yeah, I've definitely been wanting to check that one out. Yeah, it's I good. think it's in my queue. <laughs> I just haven't seen it yet. There's a lot of things in my queue that I haven't watched. There you go. Yep. That's a good thing about Netflix too. You just throw things on there, and maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. And then uh, suddenly, sometimes things on your queue disappear because Netflix, you know, takes right. it off. takes it off. So, so watch it soon. <laughs> yes. Don't hesitate. All right, Room 237, the documentary about uh, the conspiracy theories of The Shining. All right, so my like this week um, is a TV show uh, called The Goldbergs. Now, it's a, it's a TV show that's, that's in its third season, 
But like our last podcast, when when uh, Andrew talked about TV shows that he kind of discovered in 2015, this is a show that I discovered mm-hmm. last year. Uh, it's on ABC's on mm-hmm. Wednesdays, in between the middle and Modern Family, and uh, which are both shows that um, uh, we d- we didn't start watching at the beginning. We kind of came to it. So mm-hmm. I think we watched started watching the middle first, and then we started watching Modern Family and. You know, DVR things, I always saw scenes for the Goldbergs, and I'm like, that looks funny. But I don't know why, I just never started watching it until, you know, we're like, why don't we just watch, you know, continue on with that Wednesday night ABC comedy block thing there. Check out the whole block. Check out the whole block. So um, so it's a show that I love, and uh, it's uh, created by Adam F. Goldberg. Uh, There's an actor out there called Adam Goldberg. This is not him. This is Adam F. Goldberg. Um, and don't get them confused. They've they've actually had a little Twitter war before between them oh. two. Uh, but so they're not related. To, at all. to not related at all. <laughs> so this is Adam F. Goldberg. He's a writer, um, uh, TV show creator, uh, and uh, and it takes place in um, in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, which is a Jenkintown. suburb. Jenkintown, which is a real <laughs> suburb. Uh, it's, it's a suburb of, of uh, uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and that's where the uh, the. Uh, the Adam F. Goldberg was raised, so it's it's a show that's kind of loosely based on his childhood. He grew up in the '80s, um, and he was a, a a film nerd. And he his parents bought him mm-hmm. a camera, so he like made all these home movies. And so that's kind of what the inspiration for this TV show is that hmm. he just kind of goes back to his home movies. And um, and in the TV show, I mean, you're like, this is ridiculous what these people are going through, but then they actually show you at the end mm-hmm. real footage of him and his, as his brother and his family. And so you kind of get, it's like, okay, so these, it's, it's, these people are crazy and you can understand what, you know, yeah. okay, this is, this is his crazy life that he grew up with. And, uh, and so it's, it's, uh, for me, it kind of hits all those, I'm a, I'm a child of the eighties also. It hits all those nostalgia buttons mm-hmm. for me. Uh, when I look look back at my childhood and 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 going through all the things, I mean, he's a big um, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones, and uh, Ghostbusters. You know, he's a, he's a pop culture kind of nerd kid, and uh, and so it stars. The stars of it are are um, Jeff Garland um, plays the father Murray. Jeff Garland uh, from Curb Your Enthusiasm, okay, yeah. and uh, he was also the the agent on Arrested <laughs> Development with yeah. Navy. Uh, so he's he's the he's plays the the patriarch Murray. He's a he's a runs a furniture business. Um, Wendy um, Covey McClendon Covey is plays the mom. Uh, if you known her, she's best known for uh, Reno Nine One One. Is that it? Reno Nine One One. That's a show. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what she was on. But then did, I don't think they did like a Reno Miami or, or I mean uh, Miami Nine One One or. Did they make a movie Reno Nine One One? I think there was a, there was a, like a like a TV movie. Okay, maybe it was a real. So movie. So Wendy McClendon Covey <laughs> plays the matriarch Beverly Goldberg, who's mm-hmm. this very overprotective. Um, she her she loves her kids. She thinks they're the best at whatever they do. Typical Jewish mother. Typical Jewish mother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, you know she's she's always in everyone's business mm-hmm. and and uh, and then uh, this newcomer Sean Giabrone plays the the younger Adam Goldberg. Uh, he's his, his older brother Barry, who the real Adam Goldberg has an older brother Barry. Uh, Troy Gentle plays him. Uh, he's the overconfident, slightly dim-witted middle child, uh, <laughs> uh, who's uh, he's he's untalented in every way, even though he thinks he's the best at everything, mm-hmm. except for two things he's really good at: ice hockey and wrestling. Those are you know <laughs> he's really good at those things, but he thinks he's good at everything. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, Haley Orencia plays uh, the older sister. 
Erica, which is just a fictional character. I don't think Adam had, a, had an older sister, but they kind of created this character um, maybe to give the, the brothers balance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then uh, George Siegel plays uh, Beverly Beverly's um, father. They call him Pops on the show. And George Siegel, he's been around forever. Yeah. He was on Just Shoot Me. And uh, and so he plays this... this uh, He's he's the he's the Beverly's um, father. He 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 owned the furniture business that Murray works at. So he's retired and now Murray's taken over, uh, and so he kind of lives on his own. But he's over at the house and he kind of acts as the like the wise advice and mm-hmm. kind of tries to ground everyone. Um, and uh, he's uh, Adams like considers him as his grandfather, his his best friend, and so they have these, a lot of adventures together. Um, Pat Oswalt does not show show up on the TV show. All you hear is his voice. He's the narrator. Okay, he plays huh. the adult Adam, mm-hmm. and uh, who's kind of, kind of narrating the episode. And he, Adam Pat Oswalt's got a great voice. Yeah. Know, I like his voice. If you if you've ever seen him or heard him, you know just hearing like he was the voice of Remy uh, the the rat in Ratatouille. Yeah. And he's just and he's got one of these these voices that is made for I don't know, TV or radio and like that. Um, so he's, he's the narrator. It always starts off with like whatever the date is, but it's always 1980 something. Cause they do play around with the timeline a little bit. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll mix things that happen in the eighties, kind of like condense them or, hmm. uh, you know, things that happen in the late eighties and things that are happening in the middle, in the early eighties. They kind of like, yeah, yeah. whatever the plot is, they kind of like just, they, they play around. That's why they, I like it. Cause they like, they get around and say, it was 1980 something, you know, <laughs> like you the exact date. It's just, you know, 1980 something. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, like I said, this is, is this, uh, this town, a real town called Jenkintown. And, um, it's just, a, it's just a really funny show. It's also only half an hour. And, and like I said, you're thinking like oh, these people, this, these situations are ridiculous. And then you see, <laughs> he actually did this. So, you know, like one episode, uh, Adam and, and Barry they want to they want to make fun of their sister who's like really into uh, New Kids on the Block. So they they're gonna recreate this New Kids on the Block video like shot for shot. <laughs> and then and then in the, in the process of that, they really start to like New Kids on the Block. And and then their sister's like, you're not making fun of us. You really like this. And and then you see at the end. He and his brother, this shot-for-shot video. Shot video that they did for this New Kids on the Block awesome. song. So it's it's just it's just really, I mean, they talk about Hands Across America, which is a big event. Mm-hmm. One of the latest episodes they had, like, they go to a Weird Al Yankovic concert. You know, he was a, a nerd in the in the 80s who didn't like Weird Al Yankovic. is unheard of, I think. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, and then Weird Al kind of showed up. And, and if you know anything about Weird Al now, he's, he's kind of, he's lost the glasses. He's lost the curly hair kind of thing. He's lost the mustache. But... For this, he, he kind of transforms himself back yeah. into 1980s Weird Al Yankovic, awesome. and, and then he plays this kind of like a ridiculous <laughs> version of himself, which which I don't think does that exists a re- more ridiculous version yeah. of Al Yankovic than um, yeah Weirder Al oh Weirder Al Yankovic. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess it's it's I don't know like I love the 80s and I love the music and mm-hmm. and so when I watch it, it's like kind of like takes me back. Um, of course, I grew up on the West Coast, three thousand miles away. This is, you know, the East Coast, they, so they had you know, experienced things like Halloween. I, I never wore a jacket for Halloween. These people get bundled <laughs> up. They get their Halloween costume on, and then they put your jacket on top yep. of it. I'm like, I didn't experience that. I lived in Southern California. We can <laughs> go out to Halloween. Still, October thirty first is still nice. <laughs> you can walk around with that jacket. Yep. But yes, I don't know if anyone has seen the um, any episodes of, of the Goldbergs. I've seen the last thirty seconds a lot of times. Oh, and now and now knowing what those home footage videos are, all, that the, <laughs> that context makes the whole thing make a lot more sense. Right. So I was very confused. I think I think you you'd really like it. Um, 
And I think you would also because of that, yeah. that, that love of film, right? And uh, and and uh, and 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 just him trying to you know mm-hmm. recreate things. And you know that's all I have a lot of like those those film like if you go to read anything about Steven Spielberg, the way he got started was he would make home movies and he would try to like make, make right. war movies and I think George Lucas the same way they, yep. they, they love movies and so they kind of started uh, making them as yep. best they can so back then they had like 8, eight millimeter cameras and now they mm-hmm. go into the VHS camcorders and now we have you know anyone can make a movie now because right. we have <laughs> digital tools and digital effects it's much easier but I just like that whole you know creativity mm-hmm. um, a spark in that is this that Here's this kid who loves movies, and he's making these movies. And then, the real Adam Goldberg is now—that's his life now because because of his love mm-hmm. as, as a childhood. So, so him, you know, he is, it's a—it's kind of a loving um, tribute to his parents. His, the real Adam Goldberg's and his father has passed away, and and so he kind of like maybe gets a, a closer to his parents mm-hmm. by you know showing these um, filming. The bad part is is that I've, I've heard an interview with him is that. Um, his real brother Barry, when he, when the the TV Barry does something stupid and 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 that the, the real Barry never did, but the real Barry's like people are gonna think yeah, I'm I stupid did. because you know it's like where do the lines where yeah. do the how blurred do the lines get and uh, so so the Adam Goldberg has been had called from his brother Barry like what are you showing them I never did that now people are gonna think I did that uh, so that's kind of the danger of of, of yeah. making a TV show about about your your real life um, so. Uh, as I was digging into it, so Adam Goldberg, um, Adam F. Goldberg, the writer, um, he wrote the the movie Fanboy. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah, Fanboy. So he's he's the writer, and the other writer of that is Ernest Klein, who has uh, book Ready Player Ready One. Player One and Armada, and they're making a movie about Ready Player One. So I didn't know that. I I didn't know that either. I didn't know that either. So so those two guys um, wrote Fanboy, which is a pretty funny movie about Star Wars fans mm-hmm. and 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 as you yeah. know, people can't see, but Andrew and I are wearing these and Star Russ. Wars. So, oh, we're all wearing <laughs> we're all wearing Star Wars T-shirts. So we, we have a reason for that. <laughs> we have a reason, and uh, we might talk about that in later podcasts. But uh, but we you know we're we're Star Wars. I wouldn't say we're we're at that level of fanboys from the. Did you ever see the movie Fanboys? No, but I, I yeah, it's great. I it's like it's a pretty funny that. movie. Um, so yeah, Adam Goldberg is, is the one who wrote that 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 movie with Ernest Klein, which, which makes that now I want to go back and watch Fanboys again, knowing yeah. that that kind of looked at, like I know some of the writers now and, and maybe kind of see some of because that was movies like a few years old, I think two thousand ten or two thousand. Yeah, I read it before or I watched it before I read uh, Red Player One. Yeah. So that, that movie's quite a so I like to go back and watch, and mm-hmm. now see it and go, oh, okay. And I yeah. maybe give a new appreciation for the movie. Not that I didn't appreciate it now I'm gonna give you a better appreciation right. uh, for that for that movie. That's my like the the Goldbergs uh, ABCs Wednesdays eight thirty between the middle and Modern Family. Cool. So it's in the middle of the middle and Modern Family. Yes, <laughs> it's another it's another family. If you see if you know ABCs on on Wednesday nights, all those shows are like you oh, know family family centric and centric, they're all about yeah. families. And so this is this is another family. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, we're going to talk now. We're going to switch gears. We're talking about things we dislike. And, uh, and so this might be a little quicker, I don't know. But uh, we'll go in reverse order, so yep. then Andrew gets to go, go last. Yeah. He's first yeah. and last. Um, but my, Omega. <laughs> my dislike is, um, is I was looking at going to see a couple bands in concert, mm-hmm. and uh, 
they were in these clubs and the the ticket prices were ridiculously expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I'm rallying against high ticket prices um, for for <laughs> bands in clubs. If I have to stand up for three hours, I do not want to pay forty or fifty dollars to see a band in a club with right. a bunch of other people, and then to get charged also get charged a ten dollar drink on top of that. Right, right. I mean. <laughs> I paid, you know, I paid some good money to go see U2 in concert, but that's an experience. That's 20,000 people in a stadium. Right. You got a seat, you know, it's, you got this big, huge stage and you got, you know, you, you, you kind of feel like you're getting your money's worth mm -hmm. and it's, you know, you get the, the electricity of, of 20 other thousand people in a room, but a thousand people or 500 people in a club, Yeah. you know, you're all cramped in together. You got to stand up and I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm no longer this, this 20 year old who can do that. <laughs> uh, and I like, but I love... I love live. I love concerts. I love live music, mm -hmm. and uh, and so, and so I love going to see it. But and and to sacrifice, you know, I'm going to pay for it physically. Right. Standing up for three hours, um, twenty five dollars is the max, I think. But there's a couple. Man, it sounds like thirty dollars, forty dollars to see this band, and I have to stand up the whole time <laughs> in this club, and then I got to pay for parking, and I mean for drinks. It's just. And the tallest person in the club will. Always, right always, in front of you. Oh, he's right in front of me. Yes, uh, and so I don't know. I just that was one of the things. Like, oh man, because I really wanted to see the, a couple bands. One of them is an A's band it's called the Cult. They're playing at the Fillmore oh, cool. in Silver Spring. Great club, um, which is a great club, but the ticket prices are like forty dollars. I'm like, ah, there's no way I'm paying forty dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, Nine Thirty Club is another great, you know, famous club down in D.C. And those tickets sometimes go for like you know fifty, sixty dollars. Crazy. Just wow. band, and you got to stand up the whole time. No, give me a seat at least somewhere. <laughs> I need to rest my back every once in a while. You're getting old and curmudgeonly. <laughs> old and curmudgeonly. <laughs> yes. Um, but I love, I love live, I love live music. So, so that's that's my only dislike is that uh, it's, it becomes inaccessible mm -hmm. for me because I, I'm I'm just I'm, I don't want to pay the money <laughs> to, to to hurt myself <laughs> to come back with a sore back see this band. So that's my dislike. Very right. quick and easy, but you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. Go, we're gonna go see a band on Sunday night. That's tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. We are recording on a Saturday. Twenty-five dollars, and we get to sit down. Do so, we? Yes, we do. All right. Yeah. Good so day. there you go. All right. My dislike's kind of a cheat this this time um, because I want to talk about part of it as a as, as a like. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I came across this article that said, "Why do so many horror fans hate the witch?" So my dislike is. People who didn't appreciate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I like it. Speaking. <laughs> but the thing, the thing actually that I don't like is that, that uh, people saw this film and said, oh, it's not scary. I'm like, were you watching the same film <laughs> I was? I um, agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're, they wanted the jump scares, right. the gore, and all that stuff. And, and this is not a movie that, that has that there's a single one I don't think yeah I mean there's one thing comes into a frame which might be a little startling but not really you know anyway um, but it's more about the atmosphere of the movie and I just I just don't like people who don't take the time to appreciate a film like that because at the time I know Andrew had seen the movie and told us that he was really scared in it and Carl and I my wife went and saw it and we weren't as scared I think as Andrew but it's a film that has stayed with me for, you know, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And 
It's creeping me out now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. It's a great creep you out movie. Yeah. And um, I don't think anyone could have ever had a better like experience to watch the movie than I right. had. And that's so you much should, of what a scary you should movie tell about, is. Tell about your like, experience. Just yeah. It's so like, amazing. I saw it like on opening night, uh, that, that Friday night in a packed theater, and with just the perfect audience because so much of a scary movie is the people you're watching right. in the setting. So I can't imagine anyone having a better like way to watch the movie than I did. Uh, what happened was about less than 10 minutes into the movie, uh, there was some noise inside the theater or like, I don't know if it was a speaker popping or something crashed in the projection room, but literally everyone in the theater ran out. <laughs> Just, we completely cleared the theater until like AMC security came in and swept the theater to make sure that nothing had happened. Like no one got shot or anything. So from the very beginning, we're all on edge. So that absolutely colors the way that yep. I view the rest of this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you got yeah. you got scared in real life, not just yeah. from what was. Oh yeah, we were watching. all scared like, in real life. It was a scary and, experience. And AMC had to restart the movie <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> so it was cra- it was right after that peekaboo scene in the beginning. Oh yeah, like right that like so when you see like the the baby at on firelight. Like, that's when the, the noise happened uh-huh. <laughs> for people that have seen the movie. That early. Wow. So the rest of the movie, yeah, we're all, all on the edge of our seats yep. the whole time, so. Yeah, and even if we didn't have that experience, it's just, it's a movie that creeps up on you, and and just the atmosphere of it is fantastic. Um, it's very muted gray tones all through it. it the, if you hadn't seen it or, or know anything about it, it takes place in the Puritan era of, of you know, Shortly after In they New get England, to, right? Yeah, after they get to Plymouth Plantation, this father is more Puritan than the Puritans and <laughs> kind of gets kicked out of the yeah, plantation. Being too Puritan. <laughs> yeah. So they he takes his family out into the woods and turns out to be a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> bad things happen. So, um, but just even more than whether or not there's an actual witch is the way that the family starts to turn against each other and fractures from inside, and that's the thing that really you know, creeps you out. It's like, and those little twins are so creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's such great child-like casting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the girl in it, too. Oh, the is, girl's fantastic. Ha- I mean, she has to carry the, the entire movie. Yeah, like, the whole movie yeah. basically rests on her shoulders. What's her name? Anna... Anna... Ta- Anya Taylor-Joy? Anya Taylor-Joy, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's so good. The dad has one of the best voices I've ever heard. He's got this great, deep, booming voice, and... Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of, like, comedic stuff, and, like, he was on Game of Thrones a bit, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've never seen, like, and he's phenomenal, also. Yeah. What, what, who is he on Game of Thrones? Don't remember. Okay. <laughs> you just you see the face, then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, so I've, what I've read, also, I, I, I have not seen the movie, um, but what I've heard is that it's, it's, um, it's, it's not a, like a, like I said, like you're saying, it's not a modern horror thing where all, all you're trying to do is just scare people. It's, it's a, it's a scary movie in the sense that, this might have been real. This, right. you know, these yeah. evil does exist out there, and you know, creeps you out. Like I think I was, I was talking to somebody about the the the, the director of The Exorcist. You know, mm-hmm. or, or the writer of The Exorcist was 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 kind of upset because a lot of people were saying, "Well, this movie's not scary and all that." And he's like, "No, I, mean, I really believe this stuff. I really believe in demon possession." I was right. trying to write write this book, 
not to scare you in a classic sense, but to like scare you like this evil is out there and evil exists. And, you mm-hmm. know, for him, it's like, you got to get right with God. You know, he was a, right. you know, a Catholic. And, and, and so it's like evil does exist. And this is scary because this could really happen. Yep. You know, so I don't, you know, like those, you know, Peck Freddy Krueger are, you know, the Friday 13th movies, you know, where that's, it's just gotten ridiculous because all those movies are, you're just trying to like him pop up and stab people or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, it's, it's, that's the, that's a scary bit about it. Um, where it might be playing on, on some fears, but where the, this movie is like, no, this is scary because, you know, they had these witch trials. That's part of history. People believe, right. you know, that these people were, you know, dealing in witchcraft and, and stuff like that, and they were <laughs> drowning people and burning them at the stake. And, and why were they doing that? It wasn't because they were, you know, wanted to kill people, I think. It's because they were generally believed that evil right. existed out there. Right. Yeah. This is a movie about this very devout, like very, you know, good family basically being beaten down to their core right. <laughs> and you know the way that evil sort of takes over when that can happen yep. yeah so exactly. it's, it's terrifying so. on a whole different level and when you get isolated you know that's what's one of those things you, right. you isolate yourself from the from the community and then you know bad things happen bad things yeah happen, you, know? you literally isolate yourself <laughs> in the woods from your actual community <laughs> right yeah like yeah right. that's not like, they were like metaphorically being isolated yeah. <laughs> they were Moving themselves away yeah, from everyone else. It's not subtle about <laughs> the metaphor. Right. Right. But I recommend it go see The Witch. So that's my dislike, which is really a like. Yeah. <laughs> Dislikes the people, loves the movie. Yeah, right. yeah. I know. I absolutely agree. It was, I think that's my favorite, one of my favorite uh, horror movies of all time. Yep. Um, hands down. Like, it, it's, like it, the imagery still creeps me out. Yep. And especially some of those final shots in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. So don't listen to the haters. That's yeah. Right. Don't listen to the haters. <laughs> yeah. We dislike the haters. <laughs> All right. Uh, what I wanted to talk about for uh, my dislike was uh, a, a TV event that happened this past Monday, uh, which was uh, the new finale of the X-Files. <laughs> uh so are, are you disliking that it, it ended? The the, the the their series ended. I am disliking the finale. Okay. All right. So this isn't this isn't me disliking the entire mm-hmm. like revival. Like this was you know this wasn't a reboot. This was season ten of the X Files. Okay. They came back okay. you know right, right. years and years later for a six episode uh, season, um, and. It, and the last episode is one of the worst episodes of TV <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Also, the premiere is one of the worst episodes I've ever seen in my life. But, like, to be honest, the third episode is top ten episodes of the, of the entire series. Mm. So the whole thing is worth it just for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mulder and Scully meet the werebeast, which I think <laughs> is the, the name of the third episode. Um, which ha- uh, features uh, Reese Darby oh, okay. from Flight of the Concord. Is he a, is he a werewolf yeah. or a swearwolf? He's, he's a, a werebeast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited. I don't know if we've talked about um, the, the sequel to What We Do in the Shadows. No. Which is like officially announced. And oh, okay. Th- do you guys know the title of this? No. It's, it's going to feature, the, it's going to be focused on the wolves. It's called okay. Werewolves. <laughs> Werewolves? <laughs> yeah. Werewolves, so it's just werewolves with an apostrophe. Like, werewolves. <laughs> yes. So I'm oh, glad that, gosh. I don't even care if it's terrible. Right. As long as it exists because of that title, I'm completely on board. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I said, not a dislike of the entire 
uh, show or even just the season because that episode is phenomenal. And there's two of the other episodes are pretty good also. But basically, all of the stuff that Chris Carter, the creator of the Re- X Files, wrote and directed is horrendously bad. Oh wow! <laughs> like he has gone full Lucas. <laughs> you never go full Lucas. Uh, the finale feels like you got dropped into the second part of that episode without watching the first part, which is kind of weird because this is also technically the second part of the premiere. So I don't know if that means that I got dropped into the third episode, <laughs> but the first episode also got incom- felt incomplete. So it's kind of like you got dropped into the fourth episode <laughs> of something like it was a whole mess. Um, the, the plot is way convoluted and you know there's a big red flag because the entire, you know, the opening of the show up until the X-Files theme song is, uh, you know, Scully basically recapping the entire first episode and a lot of the, the first part of the series, which is extra bad because the first episode started with David Duchovny <laughs> recapping the entire series, and also the season nine finale, two-thirds of that was recapping <laughs> the entire series, so in a span of seven episodes, they've had to give three recaps of the X-Files, wow. which is problematic. And the one, you know, it's been, hey, it's been ten years, you got new people, Right. that, that one's a little bit more forgivable. The other one's like, hey, remember what happened a month ago on this same show? Probably Probably not, because it was terrible, <laughs> and you tried to forget it. Uh, so it commits, you know, some pretty, you know, bad sins in X-Files world. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the worst one is Mulder and Scully don't talk to each other in this episode. Like, they're never together, except for, like, one... I think they they exchange, like, one or two sentences of dialogue. <laughs> and so much of the the series is, you know, about, you know... Right. The, the, their relationship. Yeah, their relationship. I mean, not even, like, r- romantically. Right. Right, right, just, yeah, just, just, you love these two characters being together and the way they interact. Um, and that's, you know, at its best in the, the Weird Beast episode, because you see how... Like the the Darren Morgan, the writer of that episode, like understands how great mm-hmm. these two characters are together, and it seems like Chris Carter forgot, which is weird <laughs> because they're his character. Right. Um, like the the plot is all over the place. It has like like full like giant like Hulk leaping across like America like size plot holes. Oh, like, it just like goes from here to there to there, and I'm like, oh wait, what happened to the rest of this episode? Mm-hmm. Like, there should have been more. It's like they actually tried to fit, like, 22 episodes worth of, um, like, plot into this, you know, these two, like, mythology mm-hmm. episodes. Because they usually be, like, six. Was it, like, a two-hour so. finale? Or was no. it just a regular one-hour <laughs> no. show? Huh? <laughs> should have been about four hours for the amount of plot they wanted. Um, so the short story, like, about the plot is, like, it's not even, like, super bad aliens, which is fine. Like, the, the I mean, it kind of is, but the, the easy... I don't have 10 minutes to recap right. the series plot is there's a virus that's like okay. about to wipe out like everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is cool because the X-Files has never really done like an extinction level event. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what this is. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that everyone like in the world can get, everyone can see that something's happening. <laughs> like you don't have to try to, Convince Oh no, there's yeah. aliens. And you know, like the things that they're saying are not crazy. Which makes the rest of the episode make less sense, because, <laughs> like, 
the Baldur's Scholar FBI agents, like, they don't once, like, try to get FBI resources to do anything <laughs> about this. Like, the world is basically ending, and, like, they need to get, for, like, at one point, Scully needs to go from point A to point B. There's a lot of traffic. She gets in an SUV and starts driving. There's every helicopter ever, <laughs> like, around. <laughs> like, you couldn't, like, ask for a helicopter? Like, they're trying to do things with, like, you know... Budget cuts, man. Budget cuts. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to do things with, you know, trying to find, you know, sort of a cure for this virus. Scully's, like, working in this little hospital and, like, not with the CDC. Doesn't try to recruit a single other scientist to help out. She's like, oh, there, there's sort of a cure. Let me make two of them and then I'm going to run over here. <laughs> like, like, no idea to, like, mass produce something. Like, it makes her seem really dumb, which mm-hmm. is problem because she's really really smart her character is a genius um and Mulder (laughs) decides to go like on a random road trip during through during all this ends up in North Carolina basically and no one can find him until one agent (laughs) decides to go to his laptop which for some reason isn't locked because the FBI has no No (laughs) security yeah no security like to the point of hey you haven't touched your computer in 15 minutes let me auto lock it (laughs) like you know everyone's computer has by default and luckily Mulder has a program on his desktop called phone finder.biz <laughs> which the guy double clicks it's like oh he's in North America he's in North Carolina let me grab this laptop and drive and then through the course of the day this guy drives to North Carolina and back somehow um, which I mean is, is possible but not really in the time frame of the show so it's a hot mess like like I don't <laughs> it's just so absurd like it's it's it doesn't work on the same level like Fantastic Four didn't work as a movie like there's there's good ideas in here right but right. the execution is horrendous which is kind of sad because what this was like a six episode reboot not reboot but a six episode revival revival yes. yeah so you had six episodes and they've had ten years yeah you would think sure. that they would pour all of their energy and you know we, we can't we can't put this out until it's the best episode right. absolutely yeah. and and everyone in the room agrees that it's the best episode it's not like you yeah. know it's like it's like that was such a wasted opportunity it's like why yeah. did you even revive the show if it's going to be that so bad was this the series finale or just the season finale uh, probably a season finale. Okay. It, if it hadn't done well, I'm sure it, it would have been, been which is bad because it ends on a cliffhanger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is, so that's odd enough. Yeah. Um, uh, but apparently this got better ratings on Fox than like anything ever has hmm. recently. So it's almost definitely coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I welcome it to come back. Like I, you know, I just want Chris Carter to be a little bit more hands off this time. <laughs> And get, you Which know. is kind of sad because, like you said, he is the guy that created yeah. the series and created but all these characters. He goes full Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good saying. I'm gonna use that Lucas. one. It's gone yeah. full Lucas. So did you, did uh, Russ? Did you watch the X Files? No, I. That, that's a show I've never watched. So I've. I think I've watched maybe a smattering of episodes. I think. Because I, I watched one of the movies. They they put out two mm-hmm. movies in the whatever. The, you watched the newer one or the older one? I can't remember. What, was the, Was there a lot of snow? Or a lot of city snow. <laughs> okay, so that's the newer one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, which is that the truth is out there. Is that the yeah? One? Yeah. Well, um, apparently, I can just watch this last last episode. And they'll catch me up. Yeah, right? let's catch you up in three minutes. <laughs> On ten, how many? I don't even. Know, how many seasons were there? The original. Now uh, this was season ten. Okay, so, so there were nine, nine original seasons, seven of which are worth watching. <laughs> yeah. With that many, with that many seasons in any TV show, yeah. you know that yeah. there's like. 
a few episodes or a few seasons that you might even right. want yeah, to Yeah, well, skip. David Duchovny leaves, like, after right. season seven. I mean, he pops back up from time to time. Mm-hmm. Well, who, Robert Patrick replaces Yeah, him. Robert Patrick replaces him, and then um, uh, uh, Jillian Anderson gets replaced <laughs> by Annabeth Gish. Okay. Um, and, th- I mean, the show is, like, okay with them. They're fine. They're both good actors, but, but it's not Mulder and Scully. Right, right, right. right. Which is the, what's the <laughs> premise, kind of, of the TV show was. You you introduce these characters, and mm-hmm. it's hard to replace them. Yeah. Especially in a, in a, in a show that, that the two characters are the main characters. It's not like a, an ensemble show like right, right, ER, right. you know. Right. Over the course of ER, doctors came, doctors yeah. went. Like... At any regular hospital, usually, you know. I mean, exactly. there's yeah. people that rotate in and out, and okay, you can lose them, but it's an ensemble show. But when you have two actors or two characters or the main characters, and it's like, yeah, we're gonna get rid of them and put two more characters. <laughs> Especially in when there. everyone's watching. Not, I mean, the plot's great for a lot of it, but people are watching because of the chemistry because of the real, between yeah, right. these two actors. Right. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal. Yep. Right, and um, the and the chemistry <clears> between like the how they. From what I understand, that how they created the two characters, Mulder is the is the believer and and, and Scully is the skeptic, right? Yeah. And, and so you have these two kind of playing off each other in, in that dynamic, mm-hmm. which makes it for for good television. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's a shame that it ended so badly. <laughs> but hey, we got Mulder and Scully versus Meet the Weird Beast, which you can you can just watch that episode in a vacuum. Oh, you and can? It's, okay. a, it's a great episode. I, I think I'll watch that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there'll be like a scene or two where they're just sort of making fun of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like in the way they, you know, basically at one point, uh, like uh, Mulder's having a conversation with Scully, but doing both sides of the conversation. So it's like, and this is where you would say, and then like do his, you know, Scully impression. So that doesn't work as well if you haven't seen the rest right. of it. But it's a, you'd still love the You still appreciate it's it. It's great. What, what he's doing. Yeah. You've got Mulder running around trying to use a camera phone. <laughs> like, because now those exist. Like, so there's this whole thing of, hey, now that all this extra technology is there, we shouldn't, like, if this stuff was actually true, we should have more sightings right. because we all have cameras in our pockets. So he's right. running around trying to take pictures, but, like, he's using the wrong camera. So he's taking, like, front-facing pictures <laughs> of himself being scared by this thing. Like, yeah, like, X-Files did a lot of really good comedy episodes, and yeah. this is this one's top-notch. Okay. Awesome. So those, uh, those are our, our dislikes for the week and our, and our likes. We're not going to pull an X-Files and recap the whole podcast <laughs> if we just did it. Um, yeah, just rewind. <laughs> just rewind. Yeah, yeah well, this is probably worth yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what you can do um, for us to help us out is you can... Um, you can obviously go to uh, to iTunes and subscribe. Uh, you can also put a review up there for us. I think we have one review. But if you guys could take, uh, it would literally take minutes out of your day to, to write a review. It doesn't have to be a long discourse on, on, on our, each of our personalities and what you like and dislike about each of us. But, you know, if you like the show, <laughs> you, you could give us a positive review. That'd be great. Rate us. That's even, that'll take literally yep. seconds out of your day to, to click one of those star ratings for us. Um, that just helps us. Uh, especially in iTunes, um, you can uh, you can always go to our website, uh, pumpingironypodcast.com. You can leave comments. You can go to our Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash pumpingironypodcast. Something like that. Our pumping irony. <laughs> sure. You can find us on Facebook. Search pumping irony podcast. Interact yeah. with us. Leave your comments. Um, things you like or dislike, and uh, and we'll um, we'll have a little interaction. That'd be that'd be fun. Uh, so you can do that. Um, 
And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. A couple weeks. Yep. A couple weeks. We'll record yep. another episode. Hopefully we'll get better and more routine as the year goes along. Um, but uh, this is it, episode three. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Tim. I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew. Have a good day.